But I want to preface it with this. We're going to be, we're going to be talking about Jacob as a bridge to, to Joseph. Now, for some of us, when we hear the word Jacob, we don't, we don't know who he eventually gets renamed, which is a very, very big deal uh, in the story that we're talking about today. But we also, we do know of the life of, of Joseph. But what we're going to discover today as we're in the year of our Bible series is this, is that Jacob is a bridge to Joseph. And Joseph is a type and shadow of Jesus in the Old Testament. So I want to say that right from the beginning. This message here today, although it only has two points, is very significant in us understanding the major theme of this series, which is this. We believe that the Bible is a unified, uninterrupted story that leads to Jesus. Okay, And this story is going to bridge this gap. Next week, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about bondage and deliverance. And then the following week, we're going to talk about a message called the Ten Commandments, the big ones. But we have to understand this part right here to really understand bondage and deliverance and especially the Ten Commandments in the next coming up week. So I wanted to give you a quick preview to let you know what you're in store for. And I really want to say this. We love that you're here every single week. Matter of fact, we encourage that. We believe Sunday. We believe every day is God's day. But Sunday, we come to the house of the Lord. If you have to stay online, we get that. But these next few weeks, especially the week of the Ten Commandments, I cannot wait to speak on that message because a lot of us really have a, a poor understanding, and I mean that respectfully, of the Ten Commandments. People in society and culture have a wrong understanding of the Ten Commandments because they see it only as rules, and therefore it takes away this relationship they can have with the God who puts something into place for the benefit of themselves. And so it's going to be important, okay? So everybody say this with me. Say, Pastor Rich, I'll be in church on Sunday. All right, cool. You said it, not me. Looking forward to seeing it. Genesis chapter 25. Let's start in verse 19. Now this is the account of the family line of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethel, or Bethuel, or however you say that, the Ar- Aramean, from Padan Aram and sister of Laban the Aramean. I say that, are you mean? That's kind of how I say that, so don't, don't be mean. Verse 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. And the Lord answered her prayer, or his prayer, and his wife Rebekah became pregnant. Now the babies wrestled, or this translation says jostled each other within her, and she said, why is this happening to me? Being a twin myself, this is so funny to read uh, because to me it just makes sense because my twin brother and I fought all the time, probably in the womb. So she went to inquire of the Lord. Isn't that something right there? Something's going on. Who does she inquire? The Lord. Little mini lesson. If you got something going on, ask the Lord first. He's your best source of wisdom. Then go to people and make sure they love the Lord and let them give you some wisdom. But she inquired of the Lord. That's a, great, that's a great lesson in and of itself. Why is this happening to me? And the Lord said to her, watch here, two nations are in the womb or in your womb. And the two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. And the older will serve the younger. The older will serve the younger. My twin brother is very happy about that because I was born first. But I'm going to say this again because this is powerful. The older will serve 
the younger. Now, here's the thing about this story. Many of us are familiar with this story of, of, of two twins. It's the story like the kiddos just saw. It's of Jacob and it's of Esau. Here we have the strong-willed, smooth-skinned, second-born, and the hard-working, as the video said, and hairy, first-born. <laughs> Just let that sink in. I don't know. I mean, the Bible, there's no idle word in the Bible, but that, apparently that's pretty important. Now, we know that Jacob, with his mother's help, tricked Esau out of his birthright with a cup of soup, and he stole the blessing from his father with more food. We know that. Sorry. but. Me, me neither. Hi, Siri. I, I promise I didn't do that. Um, now, these being the only two examples of how he started off in life, many of us look at the story of Jacob and we go, man, you know what? I don't really like this character. We know by definition that his name Jacob means deceiver. And I, I want to say to my son watching this right now, Jacob, don't worry. The story ends a lot, a lot better. He's like, dad, am I a deceiver? It's like, oh, no, we didn't name you after that. You'll see in just a moment. But we don't like to talk about Jacob because of what he did. I mean, if you read the story or you watch the video, you know this. It's like, man, this guy from day one, I don't like him. Am I the only one show of hands? It's like, geez, this Jacob guy. But here's the deal. Jacob was not just a deceiver. When we understand the rest of the story, he was also included in the line of our forefathers of faith. Have you ever heard this line before? Our God whom we serve is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He wasn't always the deceiver. His name is a, is a huge deal. So it leads us to ask how and why? How does this guy go from being the deceiver named Jacob to a forefather of our faith, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob? Well, first what we need to do is we have to go back to the promise that God made to Abraham about his family being blessed and favored because of his faithfulness. We have to understand that, which is incredible because if you think about that, God keeps his promises even when they're unfaithful people. Let's bring that to us. God keeps promises towards you and your family and your children because he's still faithful. A lot of the times, guess who's not faithful? Uh-oh, but he still is. That's a great promise for us to kind of like latch into this morning. That even in the midst of our unfaithfulness towards God, when we give into our flesh, when we go through seasons where we doubt, we don't believe, or we, we don't do what we're supposed to do, that God still has a commitment to you and to I. And see, when we forget that, what happens is, is then we treat God like the God who's always upset and the God who's always mad. Because we forget his promise that he's always with us. We forget, by the way, because we are of the faith, we get the promises of Abraham. Now, we, we talked about this a little bit when we talked about Abraham. You guys have, as us, as believers, we have the faithfulness of God because of Abraham's faithfulness. And Abraham was given everything. And because we are people of faith, we can have what Abraham had. You ever think about that? What did Abraham have? Everything. Translation, a lot. So if that's the case, are we lacking anything? 
I know in the New Testament, I believe we're lacking a lot of things because you have not because you ask not. And why do you ask not? Well, because possibly I'm not living right. So why would God want to give to me if I'm not living right? So therefore, we start to, to branch away. We see this in the life of Jacob. We see as we read the story because of the decisions that he made that he drifted away from family and from God. See, there's a lot of things we can learn in the story of Jacob, and it's worth noting. So the first thing I would love for you to write down is if you had to take the story of Jacob and sum it up into one word, it'd be number one, write this down, it would be struggling. Jacob struggled. You ever struggled before? You struggling right now? You're in good company. Jacob struggled. Now, the word struggling can mean a lot of different things. And in the context of this story, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the struggles that Jacob entered into, watch here, due to his own will, because of his own choices, and how he brought hardship into his life because he made choices that he shouldn't have made. There was three of them, and they're really big. Write this down. The first would be Jacob and Esau. We know that this is a choice that he made. Our beginning scripture told us of how Jacob was already favored by God as being the leader of the two brothers, but culture of that time dictated that the first son out of the womb meant the one who would be blessed. So Jacob entered into a struggle with his brother to force, everyone say force, the blessing of his life despite God already saying that he would have it. Because he chose to force it. You ever tried to force something in your life? When you were young, did you ever try to force a friendship with someone? Because they were kind of popular, had some influence, or maybe if you're really being honest, they had some toys at their house that you didn't have at your house. So you were like, I've got to become friends with this person right here. You ever force something like that? As you get older, you ever tried to force a friendship with someone at work that you just don't click with? You notice the struggle that comes with that? Uh, some of you are like, uh-huh. I don't know about you, but it is taxing. Can, can I just say something that might set some of you free? The reality is certain personalities just don't mix. You got to call that for what it is. Some people, you're just going to clash with. Now, you can be respectful, be honorable, and be courteous and be loving. You can do that with the personality that you clash with, but here's the deal. You don't have to be everyone's friend. And the truth is, you probably shouldn't. Yeah, I know. Right. You can work together, but you can't force it. When you try to force a friendship with someone that just thinks differently, all you do is fight or disagree. And then you wonder, why am I really friends with this person? Amen or oh me. Goodness gracious. <laughs> Jacob, man, was forcing. Look at Gen uh, Genesis chapter 25, verse 29. Now, once when Jacob was cooking some stew... Esau came in from the open country, and he was famished. He was hungry. And he said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm, I'm famished. And Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Look, I am about to die, Esau said. Pretty dramatic words right there. Pretty true. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob, then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank, and then he got up and left. So Esau despised 
his birthright. Carrying on, Genesis 27, 34. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud, bitter cry and said to his father, bless me to my father. But he said, your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. And Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob? Now notice this. This is the second time that he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. It's one thing to make a mistake once, do something wrong once. It's another thing when you make a lifestyle out of it, and you do it again. That's what's taking place here. And then he asked, haven't you received any blessing from me? And Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you, and have made all his relatives his servants. And I have sustained with him grain and new wine, so what can I possibly do for you, my son? Here's the deal. What did this deception, this forcing of Jacob's own will produce in his life? Answer, more and more struggling. From this point on, he runs away 20 years in anguish over a relationship. At one point, even feared Struggle after struggle after struggle. It goes on even further. Then we have Jacob and we have Laban. I've got to walk you through this because you have to see how this bridges to Joseph. During his time away, he fell in love with a woman named Rachel, whom he had worked seven years for. If you don't know the story, saw a lady. She was fine. He said, she's pretty. It's Valentine's Day. And he was like, I got to have her. That's how guys are, by the way. When they see the one, they're like, got to have her. Like, you got like, to own it. Like, you, you don't, don't do that. <laughs> That's why some are still, never mind, single. So he makes a pact with the dad. Dad says, work for me for seven years. He does it. And guess what happens after seven years? Doesn't get her. Now, some of you read that story and you'll go, yeah, he got a taste of his own medicine. The deceiver got deceived. You, anybody ever read that and go, got what he deserved? Some of you are more gracious towards people. You're like, oh, poor guy. No. He's a deceiver. Reminds me of a principle. Old Testament and New Testament. Everyone look at me. Even Jesus. You reap what you... Ah. So could it be that Jacob, in his struggle, because he forced things was getting a taste of his own medicine. Yeah. It's okay to say that. Yes. He got what was coming to him. God was still with him. Okay? Goes on. This is where it gets really good. His third battle. It's him, and it's a guy by the name of God. Jacob wrestled with God. Mark this down, Genesis 32, verses 22 through 30. You, you can read it later, but I'll just highlight it for you. Jacob started to wrestle, later to find out that he wrestled with God. The Bible says that God touched him on his hip. From that point on, man, I'm a rapper. He had a limp. 
didn't go over as good as I thought it was going to go over. <laughs> See, Jacob had a lot of battles, but this battle right here actually changed his situation. You want to fight with someone? Take the fight to God. It's what he should have done. You ever feel wrong or deceived? Tell God. How about this one? You want to change the course of your life? This is, this is personal. This is you right now. You want to change the course of your life? Wrestle with God. Don't force things. Talk to God. Tell God. Wrestle with God. Because that's the only way you're going to be changed. That's how it happened for Jacob. The guy who forced it. He finally went to God. Jacob finally trusted God with his struggle. And he experienced God's transformation. He never walked the same. In all of his days, he would remember that night. Okay. Here's something that I think is very important. I'd love for you to write this down. When we relent our own will, we release God to accomplish his will in our lives and on this earth. But we have to relent it. We have to say, hey, God, my life is not my own. It's yours. What would you have me do? What would you have me say? Okay, God, I'm in friction with this person, this boss, this employee. What do I do? Hey, God, in my marriage, we're just, it's here all the time. What do I do with that, God? Or my children. I'm in fear. Because they're growing up in a culture that is so wicked and divisive. I fear for them. Some of you parents in this room and watching online, you see culture, you see what's going on in school systems, you see what they're exposed to, whether it be through a television or a YouTube ad, and you were scared to death of your kids growing up in a time and a culture. You're scared. Let me just say this to you real quick. I know this by the spirit of the living God as much as I'm breathing here right now. You are so tormented in your mind on how your kids are gonna be okay. And I'm gonna tell you something right now. You need to stop and you need to trust God and you need to raise your children in the ways of the Lord and stop living in fear. Trust me, I get it. I got a 12-year-old and a 9-year-old, and little Adeline, coming soon to a theater. I mean, to, just the other day, Vanessa and I were watching one of our shows, and a commercial comes on, so anti-God and everything, and we just look at each other and we go, our kids are going to have to come through this stuff. 
And right there in my heart and in my mind, this worry started to come as quick as day. And I'm like, ah, I don't like that. So what do I do? I don't mean personal right now, but what, what do I got to do? I got to take it to God. I got to wrestle with the scriptures. So when my boy and I yesterday were out on the golf course, trust me, we weren't, we weren't playing golf. We were hunting for Easter eggs known as golf balls because we couldn't hit the ball down the fairway. And we'd be driving in that cart, having those talks. Because it's my job. It's my role. It's my opportunity to raise Michael in the ways of the Lord and to teach him right from wrong according to God's word and to point things out in culture and say, this is how they're going to try to deceive you, son, but this is what God's word says. I know I've rabbit trod a little bit, but do you see what I'm getting at? All of you, I don't care how old you are in this room, let me just say something to those of you that have lived life longer than those of us who haven't. We need you to start speaking into a younger generation and stop sitting back and being idle. I say this very respectfully, and I've said it before. Stop looking down on the younger generation and start getting on your knees and praying for them. And then you start speaking into their lives. You don't get to bow out because you're towards the end, respectfully. The Bible is a Bible of all generations. This church is a church of all generations. And we need your voice. We need your prayer. I'm going to say something. I don't need you standing in church with your hands to your side. Please hear my heart. You can't be idle. Sing and let them hear your voice. Lift your hands, as the Bible says, and let them see you lift your hands. Bring your Bibles. Take notes. And let the younger generation see you doing that. Pray. And let them see you doing that. Boy, this took a turn real quick. Can I tell you where it happened? Sorry for those of you watching online because you couldn't see this earlier. But it happened when I was sitting in there. And we were so distracted during worship. And it grieved my heart. So I want to be honest with you real quick. When we come together to worship and to receive from God's word, Go all in. Put your phone down. Now, I get it. Some of you, you had the Bible app on your phone, and during worship, you like to read the Bible. I, I get that. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. <laughs> but some of you, you're so distracted, and you're in the house of God that you can't even put your phone down to worship and to sing. I don't know how I'm going to get back to my notes out of this, but I just know when God leads. 
I want it to be a place when you come into this place that you experience God. And the truth is you won't if you're distracted. I'm going to say something to you right now. And I know I've been in church a long time. Some of you have been in church a lot longer than me. And you'll, you'll agree with me on this one. You know what attracts people to the presence of God when they come in here? Watching others press into the presence of God. You want to know how people discover how good and real God is? When they see people being impacted by how good and how real God is. You want to know what a person does when they walk into this place for the first time and they just see a bunch of people standing around? I can go do that out there. Is God even in this place? Have these people really been marked by God? Ask yourself, is this just what you do on Sunday? Is this it? Is this all there is to this? Or do I come here expecting God to meet with me because I make a decision to meet with him? There is a big difference. Oh, if you're going to clap, don't patty clap. Clap, 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 clap. It's okay to make noise in church, y'all. It's okay to lift your hands. See, why are you so adamant about that? It's in the Bible. It says that we lift holy hands without wrath. What does it mean to lift my hands? I surrender. Surrender what? Jacob, my will for yours. Why do I sing? Because he's good. Because he's been good. Because he'll always be good. So I don't just go out in my car and crank up my music and sing everything else. I don't know the words. Big screen. (laughs) Words. Are you getting what I'm saying? Translation. Do you sense what God is saying? Because if you're not careful, oh, it's just the opinion of a man. You're right. I'm just a man, hands down. You're right. But I know when God speaks. I know when God gets my attention. And what I'm saying is, is even as we look at this whole idea of Jacob and his own will and forcing things and all that stuff, I think at the end of the day, we just need God's will. I want people to draw close to God in a way that even if a band wasn't playing, they knew how to worship. That if a pandemic shut the church doors down, that you'd still know how to crack open your Bible and hear from God. That's all I want. That's it. So Jacob struggled, and some of you are like, how in the world are you coming out of this? I got to. And then we'll bring this to a close. Number two, I want you to write this down. 
suffering. Jacob struggled. But Joseph, whoo, he suffered. Now, here's the great part about Joseph. We all know his story, right? I'll highlight it for you. <laughs> Did nothing wrong. Favorite son, 11th son, by the way, had a dream that God gave him. Shared it with his brothers. They didn't like it. Shared it with his parents. They kept it in mind. Probably kept a distance. What do his brothers do? Let's kill him. They take him out. They're going to kill him. Eh, let's not kill him. Let's sell him. Make a profit. Why not? He gets sold into slavery. Eventually goes to Potiphar's house. Does really good. Bible says God was with him. God was with him. God was with him. God was with him. One day, lady gets the hots for him. He doesn't want that because he's a man of God. He runs off. She grabs his robe. I'll let you put two and two together. Boom, prison. He can interpret dreams. Interprets a dream. A guy forgets about him. Sits in prison even longer. Eventually, another dream needs to be interpreted. Joseph comes out, tells the dream, puts back in command, in control of everything, reunites with his brothers, family reunited. Tremendous story. Tremendous. But here's what gets me every time. This guy suffered. He did nothing wrong. Say, now how do you bring something like that and bring it back into to my own life? Well, because as we all know, life's not fair. That's what Joseph's life teaches me when I read it. That I could do all the right in the world and things still happen. Life still hits. People walk out. Friends and loved ones die. I'm serving God. Everything's falling apart. We have an example. His name is Joseph. And through it all, God was always with him. And friends, let me just say this to you. Through it all and in it all, God is always with you. So when life doesn't seem fair, when all the work you do just doesn't seem to pay off, when people leave you, when they love you one minute, but they talk behind your back the next, you can fill in the blank. God's still with you. When you feel aimless, when you feel like you have no purpose, God is with you. And the thing that Joseph did that I want to encourage you guys today in, that is so important, is he just kept his heart right. 
can I just encourage all of us in this room? And this is going to be the biggest challenge that you can possibly face. Is how do you keep your heart right when everything's going wrong? And it's very simple. When you put your hope in God and your trust in God, as the Bible says, he will fight the battles for you. He will fight with you. But it is God who brings the victory or the answer that you need in your life. It is God and God alone who does it. So stop looking at people. Stop thinking, well, if I can just get them to understand me, for I can get them to just say yes to this, if I can get them, 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 him. Let him speak to them. See what I'm saying? So let me close with this. Jacob struggles. Do you want to know what his name eventually becomes? Jacob wrestled with God, and God gave him a new name. He said, Jacob, you are no longer Jacob. You will be called Israel. Let that sink in. Joseph, what is he? He's a type and shadow of Jesus in the Old Testament. For Jesus did no wrong, yet he suffered for you and for me. And Jesus did it the right way. Amen? Just like Joseph did it the right way. That's what we have. So here's what we're going to find out next week. going to bondage because they forgot again just how good God was